Dreng, Maisel, and Ozius, you all sit, or at least have hunched together, in this single private bedroom of this inn to discuss everything that has happened today. Every excruciating detail as you're all crammed into this one room, fit for two at most. So, um, not so good news, everybody. What now? Um, you know, unless I was, uh, completely being fooled, I don't think Zeph is alive anymore. Hmm. I see. Um, what Duke, happened to him, Ozzy? Somebody killed him, whether it was the woman in the alley or, uh, New Calvisla, Duke, the the guy that we tracked down, he made it pretty clear that, that Zeph was not alive anymore. If he had run off and gone as Hulk, do you think he would have had more of a chance? Um, maybe he would have, but we wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm... It's been a long night for everybody, I'm sure. Um, This is obviously not the outcome we were looking for. Uh, I don't know. Anything beyond that. um, Duke is dead, though. For sure. How for sure? Uh, Can you survive becoming a fire? Ozzy... What's up? Was that y'all doing? Uh, no, it was his doing, actually. Ozzy, if you light someone on fire, it's not their doing. But they will stay warm. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be very clear here. I did not light him on fire. Hmm. Um, either he lit himself on fire or somebody else lit him on fire via arcane methods. I don't know. I'm not really versed in this stuff. Do you honestly think that second one? Again, I don't really know about it, but he certainly didn't have the means on him to just ignite unless that was a uh, fun little ability he had. I am glad we are all well. Yeah, I'm going to be even gladder after a uh, full night's rest, let me tell you. Are you still wearing Jing's cloak? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the rest of your costume. (laughs) I'll give it back, but not until I leave to go back to my room. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think with that, Ozzy stands up and says, uh, you two uh, got any questions? Need anything from me? Where exactly did the fire start? Uh, In a building. An abandoned building. You somehow know this city like the back of your hand. Do you want cross streets? The address, something like that, yes. Yeah, I give Maisel the cross streets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you perfectly recount the exact street. And I'm a real dick about it when I do it. Given your class ability, you describe like, you describe it in the kind of detail that like you would passive aggressively describe (laughs) to a tourist when you're trying to describe like how to navigate your hometown. Say it loudly and slowly. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it takes like 10 minutes for him to finally get to specifically where it is. Halfway through, <laughs> Drag starts nodding. It's like, yeah, no, I remember the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was around there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that does for you, really. But uh, again, I did not start this fire. It was always burning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, Ozzy, who is now standing, says, on that note, um, and reaches under his coat to hold his costume together, or Drang's coat, I should say, (laughs) and then slips the coat off and hands it back to Drang. Drang, you have been invaluable tonight. Uh, thank you for everything you've done. Are you still injured? Yes, but nothing a good night's sleep won't cure. I mean, I've got another second level spell slot. I can cast Cure Wounds again. (laughs) Before you do, I'm suspicious about this after he was so vague with Kaisa. Can I try to see what the hell is going on with the hole in Ozzy? I rolled good 17. <laughs> I got 17 points back? I rolled good. So I, could, I would say that, like, <laughs> I can't make you roll anything that's going to learn information that he's not volunteering. It just won't. It just won't work that way. You can ask. You can poke and pry. There's really not much in the way of like yeah. roles I can enforce that are fair. Yeah, and this is like one thing that Ozzy would not slip up on. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll uh, I'll hold that for now. Okay. So Ozzy says, uh, "Sleep well, you two. Um, let's talk shop in the morning." Okay. And exits the room. Oh, as I'm exiting, I pull out the uh, canister and toss it back to Maisel. Hope it helped. Um, it certainly served as a good distraction. <laughs> and then I leave. Maisel and Drang, the, do the two of you do anything else for the remainder of the evening, or do you go to sleep? I'm leaving to go investigate what's left of the fire. You're terrible. how many nights can a human not sleep before they die Uh, it's it's more than one and a half come on (laughs) i think if you hit like like five or six levels of exhaustion you do genuinely just die yeah i'm only at one you're about (laughs) to be at two (laughs) dnd knows that number that's a number dnd has yes Do you realize how, how how bad at this game you are going to be at two levels of exhaustion? <laughs> was great before this. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> fuck. So here, what was going on in Cat's widow brain? My widow brain was thinking there is actually something Drang wants to do. Luckily, Drang only needs four hours of like whatever the hell it is elves do, like elf sleep or whatever. So she hypothetically has some more time. Maisel's just like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> but since Drang actually had things she wants to do, she is staying awake. Okay. And this is not going to fly. Okay. This is, <laughs> nope. Is, is Drang going to, like, pick Maisel up and, like, place her in bed and, like, do the thing where you, like, tighten the sheets around the, the bed frame so that it's, like, it's trapping <laughs> them? Really tight. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, held in place, just, like, you're going to sit there and you're going to go to sleep or so help me God slash gods. Yeah, I think Drang is going to stand beside the door, hold the door shut and look at Maisel like, try it. Drang, you 
you trust him, you trust them, you trust anyone to... It is not that I do not trust Who's you. to say he didn't It is that, that you have had the trying night and should rest. And what if every member of that god is cleaning up whatever happened as we speak and we... It's irresponsible is what it is. Kaisa would be so angry. Are you going to fight the fire? I'm going to find out what caused it. I'm going to find out if there's anything there. And then what will we do? Good night, Train. Good night. It turns over and puts one <laughs> pillow over her head. <laughs> Should have put my foot down before. <laughs> Do you genuinely go to sleep, Bill? Yeah, it takes some time, but I think like she already is level one exhaustion, and she's a human, and she's been as mad as she possibly could be for like 36 hours straight. She falls asleep. I asked that out of politeness. I could start forcing like constitution saving rolls and be like, you fall asleep yeah. even though no. you don't want to. Maisel falls asleep. Okay. Yeah. Cat. Mm. What does Drang want to do with the spare time she has? All Drang wants to do is, and this isn't something we have to actually go into because she doesn't intend to take long. She does intend to get her four hours. She can't lecture Maisel and then stay out all night. That would be an asshole move. Be a real Maisel Fisk move. It would be a bit <laughs> of a Maisel move. All Drag wants to do is go to the town, like, gates and find out if anybody matching the description she was given by Ozzy and Maisel has passed through them. So checking with the guards at the gate? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Make a persuasion check. Not particularly difficult one, just for questioning the guards and getting info out of them. Yay! I got a 19, and I have plus one. That's perfect. For my good manners. Your manners are impeccable. The guards are quite forthcoming. Strangely enough, about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, a strange individual clad in red recently walked unceremoniously out of the town into the night, ignoring calls from the guards. The most striking thing about what they recall is that they say that they made an effort to make conversation with the individual. They try to urge them to leave in the morning, saying that traveling at night in the cold is dangerous. One of them notes that as they began to walk away from the cobblestone paths of the street leading into the town, And as they began to walk into the snow, steam and mist began to kind of gather at their feet, and they vanished into this strange swirl of steam and hot air, almost, as they vanished into the blackness of the night. It's not super comforting. Yeah. Hey, Dylan, did, um, walking away, did they have uh, a dumper that just won't quit? Yeah, what was the the view like? (laughs) Uh, How do they feel about watching this person leave? Extremely unimpressive. Uh, The cloak did not show off the curves or figure (laughs) at all. All right. Very disappointing. It was like watching a curtain walk away. I'm done with this game. (laughs) 
Dungeon <laughs> Dragon sucks. Sucks. <laughs> okay. Um. Hmm. Ooh. They also mentioned that they were barefoot. Gross. <laughs> yeah. No shirt, no shoes, no surface. <laughs> it's one of the few things that is like outside of the red cloak and the strange like mist pouring off of them as they walked into the snow and vanished. They noticed that they were walking without shoes. Get out of town, you hippie. <laughs> and I apparently did. Yeah. <laughs> no hippies in this town. <laughs> mm, it is late. Yes. Drang is going to <laughs> write Kaisa a note. Oh. It is late, and she doesn't seem to like being bothered. How formal. Okay. <laughs> Very. How's Drang's penmanship? Exquisite. <laughs> Strangely very good for being a weird la- reindeer lady who lives outside of society. <laughs> it is much like the rest of Drang's comportment a little stiff, but there's a time and place. This isn't it, but here we go. <laughs> she starts with deer, and then she's like... <laughs> No, let's try again. Kaisa. (laughs) I hope this letter finds you well. My apologies for not coming to disturb you in person. However, I was concerned that the hour was over late for company. My further investigations to the matter we had discussed have determined that the individual we had discussed has in fact left the city it is unlikely you and the other legionnaires will need trouble yourself with this matter any further should you have further need of me I remain comma yours comma drang of the short days (laughs) P.S. they got those big chewy pretzels here and five dollars get out of here (laughs) give me pretzels okay and that's, yep, I'm assuming there's like a little mailbox or like a mail, like there's some kind of mail delivery me- mechanism. Yeah. You, you return to her home and you can just mm-hmm. slide it right under the door. Yeah. Did my job. Cool, cool, cool. And Drank's going to go back to the inn and go to her weird fairy sleep. You do return to the inn. Ozias, you hear both when Drang and leaves and arrives. Ozzy definitely assumes that it's Maisel doing something stupid. <laughs> I I do think the hoof clacking against the wood gives it away. Oh yeah, that's it's probably fair. Maisel doesn't have hoofs. I am a master of disguise. <laughs> it's Maisel with a couple tin cans on her feet. <laughs> Coconuts. <laughs> yeah. Drang, you return. You enter the shared room you have with Maisel and you find a comfortable spot to kind of sit and find rest. You drift off and this long day, this long day and almost even longer evening comes to a close. We did it, gang. (laughs) And as... Darkness envelops your perception and you find yourself at rest. You feel yourself connecting with 
the Feywild and the broader sense of the wild magic of the world, and you are restful, and then you find yourself sitting in this familiar open expanse of shallow water, this perfect reflective mirror-like pool that stretches into the horizon. The air is cold and there is a faint, gradual snowfall from a perpetually cloudy sky. Sitting directly opposite of you is a figure equally familiar. You see Plume. You see this fay of shock white fur, of lupine figure, of the leather cuirass they wear embossed with winter embellishments in the leather, sitting on their knees, folded forward in front of you, their hands resting in their lap as you sit across from them. They close their eyes and they nod to you. We did not get our vengeance today, my friend. No. But we have learned something of value. Mm -hmm. I must admit, it was difficult to stay my fury when you learned of the fate of the Weald and its totem. And they kind of look up and exhale. I do not know if I have the fortitude to be so reserved in future encounters. I will not ask you to. Do not suspect I shall be as reserved either. I had kind of hoped that they had not yet left and that we had time. I had hoped to rip their throat with my fangs. Mm. Should we see them again, I ask you, call me. Understood. When next we get the chance, I was once a sword to the north. I have said this already, but I am a blade in your hand. If you draw me, I will seek blood. Understood, my friend. They bow their head and they raise it once again to look at you and they say, I am grateful to have, and they freeze, completely locked in place. And in that instant, their eyes go from being this cloudy, uh, irisless fog to a bright blue light, shining like beacons. 
the snowfall suddenly stops, frozen in midair, held in place. And they begin to speak again, but this voice is not familiar. Time moves forward. The voice sounds like many, echoing like a chorus. One has already fallen. They rise from their kneeling position and stand, not looking at you, kind of staring up and off into the distance. You walk forward to a throne that you do not understand. And in this instant, suddenly appearing from nowhere at all, are eleven hovering stones, large monolithic structures of cold rock floating but inches above the still surface of the water, carved with the intricate sylvan inlays of the totems glowing, pulsing softly like a heartbeat. Plume speaks again. One has already been taken. They turn their head to their right, looking at one of these stones, one of these large monoliths, one of the totems, as a crack forms at the top. Brilliant blue light spilling out of it cascading, shimmering across the water, the crack grows down to the center. It begins to spread, and then it shakes, and all at once shatters into pieces, throwing pieces of stone across the still water's surface, creating ripples. A faint, shadowy figure stands. A sword drawn, thrust through the center of where this totem once stood, serrated edges, like spines down the blade of their sword. They are but vague silhouette of a person. Plume continues to speak. More fall, more are taken. And they turn their head back towards you, still not looking at you as they continue to speak. You walk to a throne, but do not know why. You forget its gifts. And then you wake. The piece of the totem held in your grasp. Well, I guess it's morning now. It is certainly morning. Ozius, you are well and truly awake. Maisel, you are sleeping too hard to know anything is happening with Drang. You are fucking so tired. <laughs> Mandatory sleep. <laughs> do either of you do anything with your time before all three of you are awake? Ozzy has using his dagger and a bedsheet, crafted a, um, essentially an apron. You have your other outfit, by the way. Did you just change? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he he can for sure. But first, he makes the apron. <laughs> okay. Apron first, changing clothes second. Yes. You never know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally. All right. Um, but beyond that, I think I'm just waiting for the other two to wake up. I think Drang wants to go outside. Ozzy, you do hear Drang leave. Yeah, I want to exit to try to catch Drang. Okay. Yeah. She's not going anywhere. She just wants to be outdoors. You, uh, did you go somewhere last night? Hmm. I went to ask about the one in red. Oh, uh, did you learn anything? Hmm. Not long before our conversation with Kaisa, they left the North Gate and vanished. They are no longer here. Yeah, all right. I thought that might be the case. Um, safer for all of us, honestly. I have informed Kaisa. Sure, she'll be thrilled to hear it. <laughs> what? Is Maisel still asleep? Yes. You hear the beginnings of a commotion developing from downstairs in the lobby. You can hear a couple familiar voices. You hear the owner and operator of the inn, the half-orc woman you've met a couple times, having a discussion with a voice you recognize to be Kaisa's. I have some stuff to do. Do you want to take care of this? Uh... Yes, I shall take care of this. <laughs> Thank you, Drang. It is always so easy to communicate with you, as opposed to our third party member. Perhaps rest will do her good. I sincerely doubt it. Holler if you need me, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go do some stuff. As you turn to head towards the stairs, Kaisa is standing at the end of the hallway. She's wearing her armor. Oh. Ozzy says, ah, shit. Her helm is slung under her arm. She looks at you and her eyes are frantic. What is... You should come with me now. You. Where's Maisel? Asleep. Grab her. Come to the longhouse. Immediately. Is Maisel absolutely necessary? Boy, does she need her sleep. She walks towards the two of you and she pushes past Drang and kind of stands between the two of you, cramming the hallway, and she looks at you, Ozzyus, and grabs you by the shoulder, and she says, we have found Zeph's corpse. Follow me immediately. Uh, yeah, on that, Ozzy shuts up uh, and is going to follow her. <laughs> Drang's gonna duck back into the room and try to kind of gently wake Maisel. She looks to you, Drang, and she says, wake her. Meet me at the longhouse. You. She looks to you, Ozzyus. Follow now. And she begins to walk away. Yeah, Ozzy um, gives a, a parting wave to Drang uh, and is following. She leads you at a brisk pace out of the inn. Into the plaza and across the way into the longhouse. The doors are shut and she, as she pulls them open, it is still dark inside. No lights have been lit. Drang, you enter your room where Maisel still sleeps. Drang's going to try to very gently wake Maisel. 
You're, you're right. I apologize for waking you, but Kaisa requests our presence. Zeph has been discovered. Well, let's go. Let's. Uh, as as Maisel uh, is like dressing for the day, and I want to point out, uh, Maisel is bringing everything she has with her, like from now on. Um, she goes, uh, trying. I had the most upsetting dream. You wouldn't even be able to compare to it. Ozias, as you're let inside the longhouse, the room is dark. The air that hangs in this place, despite being the same room you've been in at least twice now, it has gone from being a, a room of merriment to something very dreadful, and you can't even see the cause. As you and Kaiso walk down the center of the room towards that raised platform in the back where that long table has sat, you see two humanoid shapes under large pieces of fabric. And she stops you about three quarters of the way there at the base of the stairs, and she turns and she says, We have already looked through some of their belongings. You are free to look if you'd like. But from what I understand of your relationship with them... It is tenuous at best. I hope there is no discomfort in us having looked first. Business, Ozias. Yeah, I, uh, I understand. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, and yeah, Ozzy's gonna crouch down and uh, start examining to the best of his ability. Maisel, you and Drang walk across the plaza towards the longhouse. The doors are shut. Kaisa stands over your shoulder, Ozias, and she says, They don't seem to have any particularly identifying factors to their deaths. Quite clean, in fact. Only a single strike to either of them. As you pull the piece of fabric away... You see Zeph laying on the table, pale as a ghost, and wearing the new cloak he was given by Erica when they fled. Drang, you and Maisel open the door as he pulls the fabric away. Did you say it was Zeph and Erica here, or just Zeph? Both of them. The two of you enter, and you see Kaisa and Ozias standing at the table at the far end of the room. He is holding a sheet of fabric up as he stares underneath. Maisel's trying to close the distance as quickly as possible, just storming across the room. Kaisa notices you two enter, and she looks back towards you. I'm not certain what you all have found yourselves involved in, and I cannot continue to abet my curiosity. Drang closes the door. <laughs> all due respect to your personal matters, Ozias, but there are questions I cannot leave unanswered, and she holds her hand out with a piece of parchment folded 
in her grasp, tucked between her thumb and index finger of her gauntleted hand. Her dark iron armor fading into almost blackness against the darkened room behind her. Her eyes are cold and serious as she gestures to you with this piece of parchment in hand. Yeah, I'll take it. Kaisa turns her head to her right, looking at the remainder of the table, and she says, The other one was found with him. I do not know who she is. Perhaps you can enlighten me as to why I have had a fire and two bodies arrive in my town in a single night. I actually don't think Dragon Maisel ever encountered Erica. No, I think that's right. Yeah, I don't think so. Because she was in the tavern. Yeah. So you and Noir saw her, but... Yeah, so in that case, Maisel just shoots a glare at Ozzy. Uh, I don't think Ozzy even notices. He's reading this parchment that he's been handed. (laughs) You unfold the paper. In quite rough handwriting, unrefined and without character, it says this. I need to ask you, when I find you, if I find you. Duke seems uneasy since we lost you. He won't let me in the room when he talks to them. But I've overheard some things. You told me to come with you. And since you're gone, I think I have to write it down. I've only caught some pieces. When we meet again, I'll ask you about them. I don't know if we can trust him. He said something about Frostgrave, the Black Iron, something called the Derelict Guardians, something also happening in two months in the Bay of Lies. I don't understand, but maybe you will. And at the bottom, um yeah after reading it ozzy looks back up at kaisa and says um what does this have to do with me you've been looking for this man you arrived in this town with this man you when i first met you had him with you and he has been found dead with this girl and she was holding this letter and you refused to tell me more about why you're looking for him about what connections you have to this person in red um well first of all easy answer i don't have any connections to this person in red beyond hearing her described to me once and then almost being murdered by her I don't really understand why I'm being uh, interrogated when it's pretty obvious who the bigger problem is here. Osseus, I need you to start telling me the truth. Or you and I will begin to develop some very real, very permanent problems. I don't care what you're doing and why but it is affecting 
the safety of this place. And I am at the verge of being sent to a place far beyond my concerns. And I have but days to take the safety of my people into my own hands. And I have three strangers who have arrived and brought death and destruction with them in their wake. I am beginning to regret not slaying you in the wield. But I can be impulsive at times. So I ask you, why is this happening? And why should I trust you? Ozzy just kind of shakes his head and sighs and says, you're going to have to be more specific. Which happening do you want me to explain to you? How about you, for once in your life, show an ounce of generosity and start fucking somewhere? I need to know something. Because right now, I don't know the difference between you and them. Ozzy looks at the letter in his hand and then looks over at the table um, and the bodies and then says, um, that's Zeph and his associate Erica took. They were selling information from the Rust Ring Syndicate. You familiar with them? No. Would you like to elaborate? They don't get up north very much, but uh, let me tell you, everywhere they do get, you know about them. Uh, the Rust Ring Syndicate is the largest criminal syndicate operating out of the capital. I think largest is fair to say. Which capital? From where? The one that matters. Come on. Union. Okay. Why are they here? What does this have to do with your figure in red? This is... Well... Your... Pardon me for making assumptions. I don't know much about your criminal underground from the Empire, but from what I understand, their cardinal colors are the red of the rose, so is this person you are chasing affiliated with them themselves, with this rust ring, if they are based out of the capital of the Empire? I mean, not that I'm aware of. I'm not all-knowing in this situation, but Zeph is here because we brought him here. Erica is here because this is where they were going to meet if things went wrong for them, which they did, which is why I had Zeph. Kaisa looks at Drang and Maisel. And you two, where do you factor into this? I have never seen this woman here. Ozius has told us this much of his affairs, but we traveled together for safety. He has told us no more, nor have we asked. <laughs> Fuck. What he has told you is what he has told us as well. I believe him. I received your letter this morning. You're certain that this person has left? That is what your guards at the north entrance informed me of. I've already spoken to them. Then you know as much as I. You can look over the bodies as long as you like. If you find anything that I didn't notice or means anything more to any of you, I would like to know. Um, I, I think Ozzy just turns away and starts looking over 
their bodies. She looks around the room uncomfortably and noticeably uneasily. She begins to step away and says, I will be outside. And she walks away. Uh, when she's outside, Ozzy says, uh, looks like somebody didn't get the rest. And I was so careful not to disturb her. Um, I'm going to look over these two. Any help is appreciated. This isn't really my strong suit. Nor mine. Okay. She says his cat reaches for dice. <laughs> uh, Dalton, go ahead and make an investigation check for me. And uh, you can, so either advantage or two separate rolls, depending on which you guys would prefer. I think it depends on whether or not Maisel's helping, because I don't know that Drang helping would give a person advantage. She's extremely bad at this. She rolls at a minus one. She doesn't help. Maisel <laughs> <laughs> is helping with the assumption. Maisel uh, is helping pissed off and suspicious enough of Ozzy that she thinks part of this is his fault. So however that plays mechanically, Maisel is helping, but she is looking real hard. Okay. Um, it, it depends on you guys. Um, I think that it should be just one of us having advantage. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I agree with that. I think if, especially if we're being like at odds with each other, one is going to try to do a better job than the other. Yeah. Um, and I think Ozzy knows that he's not great at this, so I think if Maisel is diving in, he's going to let Maisel take the lead. I'm good with that. Uh, that is a 16 in total. Okay. So, looking over the bodies, you can tell that there is next to no sign of a struggle. You can see one wound on each of them from the back near the base of the spine a clean deep cut not so dissimilar from the wound suffered by Demita though these wounds cut through internal organs and the spine all in one go you also notice that between the two of them they are sparsely prepared. They carry very little. There is Zeph's rations given to him by Ozias. There is a very, very simple dagger tucked into Erica's waist. Looking at her, you can tell she's dressed. Their actual core clothing, aside from the outerwear that they're wearing, it's very similar in that it's very simple, very plain, very much something that someone of very poor background would wear. You find a small coin purse with 20 gold pieces and five silver on Erica. You also find that the two of them are wearing a matching pair of brass rings. Um, okay, I grab the ring, um, grab the hand on, uh, on Erica, and I... Grab Ozzy. Does this mean anything to you? Um, does it? <laughs> uh, make a history check. I should also ask Dylan, does it mean anything to me? 
Make a history check. Uh, I somehow rolled an 18 on that history check, so... <laughs> Um, 13. A lot of the Imperial Union has very traditional aspects to its, like, marriage and, uh, like, romantic gestures. It's very painfully obvious, even to you, Maisel, not being from the South. Like, these are obviously rings that have a sentimental, emotional, and romantic connection. They are not explicitly in this world necessarily tied to marriage as much as it's a clear indicator of a important romantic bond between the two. Ozzyus, you know for a fact that this is like, this is something you give to someone when you're making a gesture of like long-term commitment. And it begins to color the nature of her attempts to Free him from your custody. Well, does it mean anything to you, Ozzy? They were together. It means about the same to me as it would to anybody else in the Union. It's not what I meant. Just say what you mean, then. I have a long day ahead of me, and so far all that's happening is I'm being accused of murders... And not even the one that I almost committed last night. So, just say what you mean, Maisel. Let's get this over with. You're responsible for his death. Hers too, most likely. I don't believe for one second if we hadn't brought him up here, we'd be looking at a corpse here. Maisel, do you know what would have happened if I either hadn't found them, or worse yet, had found them and then released them? Something to you, not this. Uh, yes, something to me, and probably something to you, because we're in the same group now. Something to Drang, too. Well, there's no way of knowing, right? Oh, I know. There's maybe no way for you to know, but I know. All these things you keep knowing that don't come to fruition, what... What thing that you've known has happened so far... We had to find him. He's dead. As soon as he died, we were going to die. We're still alive. You're still alive because I've done my fucking job, Maisel. Doing what? Burning someone to death? Burning who knows how many homes down? Finding Zeph. That was my job. But you demanded we had to find him alive. I mean, that would have been the ideal, for sure. I'm not happy about how this turned out. But we found him. Here he is. Would you like me to step back in time and release him so that the Rusted Ring Syndicate could do something worse to me than death, Maisel? I don't live in your world. We're done here. Uh, and Ozzy leaves. Ozzy says you walk out of the Iron Hand longhouse and leave those double doors. Kaisa stands, her back leaning against the wall just outside the doorframe and as soon as the doors open and close behind you she says I have something else for you <sighs> great what is it and she walks towards you clad in that deep black armor the least you could do is show, is show some appreciation 
none of you have ever done anything for me. Ozzy's pissed. <laughs> Ozzy is frankly the fact that you are alive or not in manacles right now is a gift to you. Now give me your fucking hand before I change my mind. Ozzy puts his hands out. <laughs> he puts both of his hands out. <laughs> she slaps something into one of your two palms and she says, this was found on the corpse found at the center of the fire last night. Uh, I look at it. And she pulls her hand away. It is a piece of gold, a medallion, once attached to a piece of twine. It is slightly muddied by the heat it has no doubt experienced, but it has the faint symbol of a golden dragon the crown hovering above its head and the vaguest hints of four letters NCTC I hope it helps you and she walks away um yeah Ozzy examines it for a little bit uh as she's leaving and then slips it into a pocket and also leaves. Maisel and Drang, the two of you remain standing beside this long table with these two corpses laid out upon them. I'm not... I'm not out of line saying that. <sighs> no... No, I do not think so. Maisel takes the coin purse from uh, from Erica and walks towards the front uh, and steps outside. Is uh, is Ozzy still out there? Uh, no, Ozzy, Ozzy lost. Yeah. yeah, walked away. Super gone. Okay. Uh, I pocketed it for now, then. Okay. Kaisa is still standing at the base of the stairs now, having since walked away from the front doors after Ozzy has left, and she turns as you exit, and she says, Have you gotten what you wanted? Apparently Drang talked to you about the lead going cold with whomever was terrorizing us last night. Still pushing for an activity. Still thinking that's the right way to handle this. Why do you think I'm wearing my armor right now, Maisel? And she steps one foot onto the stairs. Because you don't know what else to do. Unlike you, I'm very good at killing monsters. And I will if I have to. It was a pleasure knowing you, Maisel. You can speak with my father from here on out. He'll give you anything you need on your further journey. I am supposed to leave today. Good luck. And she puts her helmet on and steps down and begins to walk away. Edge of the World is hosted on Shortwave, but Shortwave does way more than just host our audio. 
Shortwave builds our feed, gives us audience analytics, packages our player, and gives us a free website too. But the coolest thing is that Shortwave stitches our content together automatically so we can do things like swap this ad out for another one whenever we want, or change the outro on all of our episodes at once to announce new projects. Whether you're starting your first podcast or migrating your incredibly successful one over, Shortwave is super easy to use and comes with a free 14-day trial at goshortwave.com. That's G-O-S-H-O-R-T-W-A-V-E.com. Get started with hosting, syndication, analytics, web players, and dynamic content stitching at goshortwave.com. You know what I'm going to do is uh, head towards the part of town where I remember um, Adelaide's shop to be. Ooh. Oh, no. Interesting. <laughs> no. Just what we needed. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Cat, any input from Drang on this development? Oh, no. Drang went back inside. Yeah, I... I... I made sure the train wasn't there. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I was a little distracted. <laughs> Presumably to prevent any of Drang's signature meddling TM. Drang, please. Help me. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Drang is um, going to kind of, like, give a, one of her very brief, solitary, deeply sad, for awkward reasons, funerary services TM. Okay. What if we dig way into that? Because this has been way too fun of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's spend <laughs> half an hour about a weird fae funeral. Yeah. And just like when she did Plume's funeral, somebody who knows what she's saying is going to realize how deeply sad and awkward this is. But it might seem impressive to an outsider. Mm. And that's what she's going to be up to. Okay, understood. Because Maisel's right. She should do it. <laughs> what is Ozius? doing now that he's like stormed away from this whole situation yeah ozzy has two things that he wants to do uh the first one is that i know that there is a rust ring contact in this town because when i first arrived somebody grilled me and then gave me a bag of money yes so ozzy would like to i assume since he's been operating with these guys for a long time he knows a way to put up some sort of sign that says, I need to meet with somebody. Okay. So I would like to do that, whatever that is. Understood. I think it was a human. I can't remember. <laughs> It'll be really embarrassing if it's not. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, who, who fucking cares? That sounds right. Okay. Um, <laughs> awesome. You're going to make an attempt to try and make contact with someone from the rust ring. Yeah, I think given Ozzy's history with them, I think he knows a way to be like, hey, I need to talk to somebody pronto, which I assume is some kind of symbol or something. So I'm going to put one of those up. Got it. Maisel. Hello. You head to the part of town where Adelaide's shop is. Or at least it would be if it wasn't for the fact that it, at the exterior, it looks to be just a mostly featureless, empty storefront. But you're fairly certain this is where it was. Uncertain who's never kept me from knocking on a door. Uh, I start slamming on it. <laughs> okay. You knock a few times. There's silence. And then... 
the door opens. It allows you inside. In fact, it opens inwardly and you see that amazing cavalcade of just odd trinkets covering every possible flat surface and sometimes vertical surface within line of sight. It opens to just a beautiful tapestry of strange doodads and shit. Just weird shit everywhere as the door opens for you. There is, however, no one inside. At an immediate glance. Uh, I slam the door behind me. Okay. You step in, and again, it's just these little tables and shelves full of random garbage. And there's that same counter in the very back with this large kind of witch's hat hanging on the wall uh, with ribbon and frills hanging off of it. And a door in the very back of the room leading to what you could only imagine is a storeroom of some sort. And you stand in here kind of a moment alone before that back door opens and out steps Adelaide clad in the same familiar outfit he was in previously that mask still on his face no features adorning it as he steps inside and he says ah Miss Fisk I was hoping we would have an opportunity to speak again Yes, why is that? Because you have just such a impetuous attitude. I was hoping I'd have an opportunity to soften your edges a bit. <laughs> Maybe get you a bit more willing to make a deal of more substance. She tosses Erica's coin purse to Adelaide. Does a dead person's money spend differently than an alive person's? Oh, dear. Ooh. Mistress, I must admit you are far more bold and morbid than I expected. And he palms the coin purse and holds it up and he says, Shit, I'm frankly a bit surprised. Who knows what other secrets I have, hmm? The coin purse just disappears into smoke in the palm of his hand. What do you want, Miss Fisk? You seem a bit different since the last time we spoke. That money came from two people I was trying to... Mm, well, not keep alive, but keep from dying at one point. Right now they have a... <clears throat> I don't know, a, 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 a beacon, a connection to whatever world can be seen outside of this one via my fey friend. Can can you help me talk to them? You certainly said a lot of words, but not very many of them make... Well, it's all a bunch of fucking shit. Adelaide. Adelaide? I should be maybe perhaps a bit more clear. I thought I got this one across last time we spoke. I'm sorry. What do you want? 
Basil, I can show you or give you many things. But when you come in and just rant and rave, it's fucking noise. Do you know how many mortals I've met in my life? Sorry, that's a bit derogative. I thought you liked how impetuous I was. Yes, but like, be a little more exciting about it. I don't know, ask me shit I haven't been asked of before. Or at least ask me something of interest. How do I talk to the dead? Who? that's a thought. Well, so the dead, it depends on where they go, if they go anywhere at all. <laughs> no, you're the one saying nothing. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. I just, the humor, the irony was a bit thick. It depends on where they are. So if it is someone who has merely found themselves uh, relieved of their mortality or relieved of their corporeality, they could be found on the astral plane. That's a way. But communicating with them can be difficult. When people lose their lives, it, sometimes they lose a bit of themselves in the process. They can be difficult to communicate with. Sometimes they become little more than ideas of who they were before. Talking to them takes a lot of effort because you have to piece together fragments of what once made a person. It's not easy to do. Usually it takes a great bit of effort and necromancy has never really been my forte. I'm far more of the uh, evocative wizard. Um, I do evocation. It's a pun. Anyways, <laughs> I could try, but it's a bit outside my wheelhouse. But you might get little more than ideas or vague intonations as to their motives. Which, depending on what you already know, may or may not be useful. Adelaide, it's more than I have, and I'm coming to you as a beggar, not a chooser. I'm fully willing to admit that. Shocked, I truly am. When we met, you were nothing but a chooser. Beggar. <sighs> Far from it. Mazel, what is... Pardon my reach. What has happened to you? You seem different. You feel different. You're still capable of the same boring things you were able to do before, but it's been uh, shifted in a way. Something's nudged it. It's as if you've experienced some great power. Not that my power isn't great, but I haven't exactly shown you what I'm capable of. So show me. <laughs> you show me that, I'll tell you what has changed if you're so damn curious. I satiate your boredom, you... I don't know. Open my eyes to a larger world. Oh, the world is so small, Maisel. And he flicks his hand as the tables all move away and literally just, like, get sucked into the walls and vanish. Everything on them going with as a table rises from the floor, two chairs with it. Why don't you take a seat? She does. 
Adelaide walks over to this small round wooden table with a tablecloth laid over it very gently. Two humble wooden chairs sat exactly across from one another. Adelaide pulls a chair out for you by hand and allows you to sit. And he leans over and he says, Maisel, what is your experience with magic? What do you know of it? It's uncomfortable. <laughs> for some, perhaps. You asked mine, and I'm saying for me, it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Maybe I should rephrase. What do you know about it? If you... It makes you feel uncomfortable, but what do you know about it? I was... Well... Much older than maybe I care to admit before I ever experienced it, and it was with the people you know me with now. I see. The Faye and the whatever Ozzy Perfect. is. Hmm. But that isn't entirely and true. I've in... Hmm. Is it? He puts both of his hands on your shoulders, and he leans forward, this mask peeking out of your periphery. Maisel. <laughs> it's so deeply entwined into everything you know and perceive, and yet you think you've only just learned of it. It's very... sweet. Romantic, almost. It's not as special as you think it is. It is the building blocks, and he reaches his hands out from either side of your face, palms up. It is the building blocks of all things. All things. Your friend, the Fae, knows this better than any. It is part of the world. It is part of what gave birth to all things in this world, is the magic you are so intimidated by. And wisps of sparks and smoke and flame begin to materialize in his hand. There are f many, like myself, who have learned to capture it and mold it to shape it into something different. But it is always there. It is a part of all things. It makes up who we are. What difference is there in someone like myself who can literally turn mountains to glass versus someone who is <laughs> born with indomitable strength and will? whose instinct leads them to victory in the battlefield, whose strength allows them to extend the power of their warrior nature beyond the natural limits of their age or physical bodies. And he pulls his hands away and he walks around the table and he pulls this chair out and sits across from you, putting his hands flat on the table in front of you. Magic is much more than you perceive it to be. It's not a part of the world. It is everything. Part of it lives inside of you. 
and you've lived your life unurged for it to grow. No flame to ignite it. And now you find yourself amongst strangers who push you to change. Coincidences are for the fools of the world. You want to know what I'm capable of, Miss Fisk. And he holds his hands out, palms up towards you. Would you like to feel the depths of the magic this world offers? He closes his hands around yours. You can call it magic, but is integral to this world. It influences all things. And for those that hold it within them and who are able to wield it in such a way, you can learn things of them. You can learn what magic they wield. You can feel the expression of why they wield it or for what purpose. And as he pulls your hands tight into his grasp, you feel the room around you fade into blackness. Magic belies the true intentions of those who use it. Many who are of great power learn to hide it so it can't be felt by those weaker than themselves. But some either lack the refined nature to have courtesy in not forcing those around them to be oppressed by what they are capable of, while others weaponize it. And you can begin to see as this expansive blackness starts to become colorful. Your heart rate raises. You feel these tendrils stretching off from the two of you into the inky blackness before you. It's like a kaleidoscope. You become frantic. You can't express why. You're kind of frozen in this state. Adelaide holding your hands tightly in his. Everything becomes from this singular point in the infinite blackness to massive. These stretching expanses of color and power moving into the distance completely chaotic relentless you are becoming panicked and just untethered from reality as just this intense energy flows over you coursing through you at this moment as if the entire world has turned to dust and you can potentially be capable of anything the possibility of anything. And then you're sucked back to this point. And he lets go of your hands. I've been told I have a bit of a chaotic nature. I make an effort to be polite and not let many around me feel what I'm capable of. And I can tell that what you're capable of is Growing, flourishing like a small little plant in a teeny tiny pot. It's adorable. So, I've let you feel it. And I've said it in no uncertain terms. I tend to be loud, but I don't lie. I can literally turn mountains to glass. 
Why does anyone need mountains made of glass? Why does anyone need a pawn shop that can travel through space? At least that one's harder to answer. Hmm. Alright. You've shown me your... giant, endless power or whatever. <laughs> what is it that you want? I mean, I just wanted to know what the fuck happened. You came in here in a panic. And frankly, everything about your aura has... Well, it's real, and I can feel it. Everything about it is twisted up. For hating that word so much, you use it quite a bit. Yeah. Unfortunate that it's useful. You can learn to feel it, to see it. I no longer trust the people. I have grown to think I should trust. I believe I should be able to do more without them. It's as simple as that. And you've decided to share this with the most reliable being on your plane of existence. Seems a bit foolish to tell that to me, of all people. I haven't told you why. I haven't told you anything about what happened. If you know it, you already knew it. Oh, I could feel them. I could feel their presence. Not like they were trying to hide it, quite the opposite, in fact. Oh, they wanted so desperately to be felt. Especially that murderous intent. So calculated. It would be intimidating if it wasn't so fucking laughably small. So that's that. Now you know what has me in such a knot coming to you. Hmm. Well, Maisel, the question stands. All of our fun back and forth aside, I've enjoyed this. I have. You're definitely interesting. You're the only mortal I've ever known to just outright argue with me. People tend to be intimidated by me. Especially since I could turn you into a frog or whatever the fuck I felt like. I can't even see your face. I have no idea if you're a small child behind that thing. Which one do you want to see? None of them. I couldn't care less. So the question stands. You came to me. What would you like? You can ask for the same thing you asked for when you first walked in, and that's perfectly fine, but I'll give you a moment to think about it. What can I, I of immeasurable power and wonderful generosity, offer to you? Chance to, do, to undo someone's death. Oh. She wouldn't like that at all. Oh, dear. Well, I don't need a glass mountain. <laughs> it would take millennia to get her to forgive me. But it would be funny. Maisel Fisk. What are you willing to offer to undo death? Certainly not my domain to trifle with. 
who's to say I'm not capable? Someone, someone else's life. Morbid. I don't usually make deals in life or death. Whose are you willing to offer? Demeter, Andre. Oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> Maisel, I am astounded and almost a little bit disappointed. But I am intrigued. I do collect quite immediately. I might give you minutes if you feel like sprinting. Are you willing to make that offer? For two, I am. Which two? I thought you were all knowing and all seeing. I'm not. Well. I'm certainly not one of the Celestials, that's for damn sure. I can feel certain things, but you're giving me a bit much credit. Why would I be focusing on anything else when you're here? Making such outlandish offers. You've got my because attention. Because is there, and I made sure that happened on purpose. And I'm sure you're watching her. Hmm. Interesting. Zephalia Nilheim and Erika took. I can issue these lives to the material plane at the cost of the life of Demita Anger, hailed as the greatest student of the Briar Watch. Is this a deal you're willing to make for the lives of people that aren't yourself? Maisel Fisk of Bethune. I'm still here, aren't I? You certainly are. He holds out his hand. She takes it. You have 20 minutes. If you want to say goodbye. Or at least explain why. He lets go. The symbol that was burned into your hand previously burns violently, becoming darker and deeper set into your hand as Adelaide lets go. It takes 15 minutes to get from here to the clinic. And that's running. Pleasure doing business with you, Maisel Fisk. She takes off running. Ozius. You stand in the inn as a familiar figure enters and goes to a booth and sits down and orders a drink. They sit down and they wait. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, slide into the seat next to them. They don't make eye contact. They continue to sip at their drink. You learn something new. Um, I 
pull out the medallion that was given to me and place it on the table and slide it over to them. They palm it and put it in their pocket. Any information? Zeph and his associate Erica took are both dead. Unfortunate. But good to know. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, the man I tracked down who was responsible, or at least a key player, uh, had ties to New Caldizla. Understood. I'll make sure that information makes it back to the capital. Although, anything more particular you'd like to share? Places, names. New Caldizla. Um, Rikos Merriman. Alright. Anything about him? From what I gathered, he, uh, had ties to the syndicate. Maybe still does. Um, seems like he's playing another angle, though. I would keep an eye on him if you're not already. Second thing, I got a name. Volka. Contacted the man that I interrogated and disposed of. Third thing, there was supposed to be a handoff in Frostgrove. Grave, Frostgrave, excuse me. Last thing, something is supposed to be happening in two months in the Bay of Lies. I'd like to inform you that the Syndicate has been impressed by your results. The death of Zeph is unfortunate, and I cannot personally speak to how they'll feel about learning that information. But I will tell you this. Red Scar left Aaliyah a week ago. Two days ago, he announced that he'd be traveling north. No, North isn't here, North? Depends on how he feels about the information you just gave me. I think Ozzy sighs and says, um, there's one more thing you should know. Ah, uh, the man I interrogated seemed to be working for a, uh, a woman who I had a run-in with. I don't know who she is, but she's very powerful, and I think she's responsible for the destruction of the anchor. And I think her needs are somehow tied in to what New Caldizla is doing. Understood. I'll report it as you said it. What they do from here is up to them. All I've been told to tell you is to keep looking. Uh, Ozzy just nods. Information regarding what they want and what they're doing is of the utmost. We want to know why. He stands up and he throws a couple coins on the counter for... Or excuse me, a couple coins onto the table for the drink he had. And sets a small coin purse on the edge and walks away. Yeah, Ozzy waits for a few minutes and then pockets the coin purse and then uh, heads out as well. The atmosphere in the inn is as lively as it ever would be. Maisel runs frantically through the streets of Arostadol 
towards her destination. As Ozzyus, you hold that coin purse in your hand and walk away from the table. Drang, you hold a single, small and somber service for Erica and Zeph. Their body's still inside the longhouse, kept there for the moment until it is decided what to do with them. A strange, dark shadow looms over Herostadol as the gears and cogs begin to turn in the background. Edge of the World is a production of Tales from the Tabletop. Show notes, lore, fan art, and information about our other projects, including the Heart Engine role-playing system, are available on tfttpresents.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Twitch at tfttpresents. Join our Discord from the link on tfttpresents.com. This episode of Edge of the World was edited by Kathleen Childs. Our music is by Louis Zong. Our cast is Kat McDonald, Dalton Stevens, Dylan Irish, Joe Turner, and me, Bill Hinderman. Edge of the World comes out on Mondays and Thursdays, and we stream listen-alongs on Twitch on the last Friday of each month. Our full release and streaming schedule is available at tfttpresents.com. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps more than you could possibly imagine. Edge of the World is hosted on Shortwave. Thanks for listening.